At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thanks for joining me for another Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Really appreciate all of you joining us. If you haven't done so, if you haven't subscribed to the show yet, please do so. Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and please rate and review the show. And of course, you can find all of our programming, CannabisRadio.com. Let's get right to our guest. I want to go and take us back to what, for me, what, 2018, 2019? First started doing some of the hosting on the programming here on the network. And thinking about when we were talking about the idea of having CBD products in drugstores. So we go and fast forward five years later, and now we're in 2023, and I have a company right now that is, I've been able to put a number of products, CBD products, on the store shelves of the biggest drugstores in America and, you know, part of the world with Walgreens, CVS, and all having products in Target. And here to be going to talk to me about the possibilities, endless possibilities of being able to get products into some of the biggest, largest national retailers for CBD. I'm here with the CEO of the Index Corporation. And... Also, the founder of CBD Unlimited, Todd Davis. Todd, thanks for being on with us. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I don't know a lot of companies that have been able to go ahead and successfully be able to go ahead and branch out and get their products distributed and put at all those store shelves because that's a major function that's going on. I mean, we see a lot of companies that go out and put out products, but for those that can make it into those hallowed shelves at CVS, Target, and Walgreens, Talk to me about, you know, first of all, what was able to go and let you go and make that possible? Because, you know, for your background, you know, you did a lot of work as a founder and inventor. And just, I hadn't seen where you got to the point where in, in the 20 years you've been working with CBD now, that you would only get yourself and your these products distributed to all these source shelves. Talk to me about me being able to make this much progress right now and reaching basically the pinnacle of what all these other CBD companies want to be. Well, it starts with the people. Uh, we had to hire the right kind of people, engage with the right kind of either consultants or key personnel that knew the process of landing a product onto shelves. Then you take the aspect of CBD, which not a single company had a compliance platform in place to accept a product like that. They didn't have any rules to follow. They didn't have anything to comply to. So we had to we had to collaborate with the mass retail. Uh, buyers and their legal departments to help pave a way so CBD could land on shelf. So we were the first company that went through this process with Walgreens. Walgreens, we worked with their legal department, we worked with their pharmacy department, and we figured out um, 
the best pathway to get there, be compliant, and put a product there almost as a holding spot. And then every company that came after us was following that that guideline. So we applied that to uh, we applied that to CVS. We applied it to Target principles. We applied it to Amazon. And over time, you know, some of these firms would get cold feet and they say, "Oh, we don't want anything to do with uh, CBD." So they would back away, and then they would come back. So there's a lot of ebb and flow since 2018 in working with these companies. The one thing that is the issue of once you get there is you're not allowed to talk about it. You're not allowed to tell people now available at Walgreens. So a Walgreens buyer or a Walgreens customer is walking down the pain aisle. They've got hundreds of products to choose from and they're looking at blank palettes. So they've heard about CBD. Now they'll start looking at it. What does each CBD product say? What does each one do? And you're only allowed to you're only allowed to convey so much messaging through your packaging to the consumer. So in this case, the consumer is a little bit more educated and at least want to try something. And we ultimately, in the Walgreens, for instance, when you look at the Nielsen rating uh, category of pain aisle CBD, we were 50% of the market in Walgreens. And since then, we've seen a lot of our competitors just drop off. They weren't making money. They can't advertise. They can't promote or they get ba- disbanded from the shelf. So it's been, it's not been glory days and, you know, all things perfect. However, it did establish us as a leading brand and a quality brand where the rebuy rate has been higher than anybody who's on shelf. These products actually work from a therapeutic standpoint. And that was the difference. You know, put something good on shelf, something that works first time, that gives somebody a reason to buy again or recommend it to someone else. So kidding in all those stores, you know, we're we are now and we have vendor licenses with five of the top seven mass retailers in the US. And we're you know, essentially for the last 18 months, it's kind of been a pause. A whole bunch of companies went out of business, came off a shelf, and now we're waiting for these final pieces of the regulatory bubble or process to complete so that we can regain momentum and, and really move this thing forward. Let me go ahead and get to unpack some of what you just said there. Now, when it comes to the issues of the advertising issues, and we're CBD can't even put, be put under the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act of 1938 and follow those standards. There's issues where we're, I mean, the, the workarounds that you have to go and do to be able to go and promote said products, if you're using native ads or if you can't even try to do it on social media or you can't even put out billboards or television ads about it. I mean, the one thing is there are quite a few products that do make it to these stores that, you know, people will just find on the store shelves. It's just by the traffic and just by the exposure being on the store shelf, even if the advertising is not there. And, you know, on top of that, you think about the fact that think about how many products we used to have that, you know, now they're replaced by drug ads, but there were so many other like household products that you would see on a regular basis advertised on television. But, you know, part of it is the pricing would be a quite a bit, but it's also... I mean, when you see how much ads are being run for and the, the, the kind of distinctions and obstacles with that, let's start with that first. Is that something where you see that, do you think that the advertising would definitely be beneficial to put that investment in while you already had that exposure on, what is it, 8,000 Walgreens stores? I don't know if you count Puerto Rico or you know outside territories or CVS with almost 9,000 stores and then Target with almost 2,000. 
Is it something where you got the products on the shelves? Does the advertising spend warrant it? So far, no. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of our competitors ran into problems. They had big ad spend dollars. We had a, more of a frugal budget and we were, we were paying as needed. Uh, our competitors went out and tried to do branding positioning and they, they tried to buy their, the, the market's love in every different direction through advertising. And it just had no results. There was no ROI for advertising. <clears throat> so then when you look at social, you get shut down in every single category. If you try to go on Instagram, if you try to go on Twitter, you tried to go on Facebook where the audience was there to potentially educate. If you had the three-letter acronym CBD in your phraseology, you were immediately red flagged and disbanded. So if you fight around that, now you're doing email campaigns, you're doing a bunch of old-fashioned stuff that it's mass numbers going out, you're paying per click. None of that works. There's not a high conversion rate. So you have to, you start navigating around it. Do I want to talk about a sleep product? Do I want to talk about not pain relief, but supporting the relief of pain. You start fumbling around with the language that is built out there for the supplement industry, for uh, the natural product industry. And it just creates a lot of different, uh, very disjointed mess messaging to the consumer. So the consumer is ultimately confused and they don't know what they're buying. They don't know what they're getting. Even if it's a natural plant that was the greatest gift you know, ever to the uh, to humankind, you can't get the message to them. They have to try it. We got to take that little bold step and say, "I'll try that," and that's when you that's when you get the conversion. The other thing too is that I'm sure the listeners will trill up. They're going to find out, and I want to go and know about what it took for Target, CVS, and Walgreens to go ahead and take the products and put it on the shelves. Because the other thing that was, it would be, okay, number one is the, those three letters, CBD on, on the product. The other thing I also noticed that there is quite a bit of turnover with other CBD products where I see, and I do a lot of shopping where I'll go to like the, you know, the, the secondary tertiary stores, right? The ones that will take products that are already been either discounted or discontinued and it just drop down the ladder. So like I'll see products say like either at a dollar, at a dollar tree or a Ollie's or a Ross, Burlington, Marshalls, all these kind of areas where they'll have these CBD products that either did not make it, were not able to go and hold the test of time, might have been in store shelves, major big box store shelves, but did not hold up and they got passed along. The thing is, that's a two-pronged system I would imagine it has. Is it something they're going to want to put on the store shelves and will it sell? There is no guarantee, apparently. you know, the, There was a lot of hype in 2018, 2019 about CBD. Your grandmas didn't know about it. Your moms didn't know about it. Nobody really knew about it. It really came out of the cannabis culture. And as it, you know, as it slowly got adopted, the grandkid would get the grandma to try. You know, there was that kind of very slow organic process of getting the market to come towards a product like this. When they were discounted off shelf, it was also this gold rush. You know, everybody was trying to get into the industry. And if you just stuck the word CBD on a label and you stuck some CBD in it, is it a good product? Is it a better product? Did you improve something? And in most cases, the answer was no. Um, you know, we did some, we'll call it clinical studies, but we did some field studies to figure out dosing in inside of a formulation. 
And then also, what do you pair CBD with? You know, how do you get it to function better? How do you get it to, if you have two anti-inflammatory ingredients that come from nature, do they work well together? Do they formulate well together? We had to do a lot of that groundwork prior to even getting on shelf. So by the time we would we got on shelf, we already had a proven product. We were chasing the dream of CBD and we weren't putting crappy product on the market. So I think the companies, you know, it's it's kind of been the disease of since the internet has been out. How many eyeballs, how many impressions, how much can you pay for to convert to get some small percentage of a market? And it didn't work in this case. You know, we saw a lot of bogus advertisement. We saw a lot of people get shut down by the FDA for bad advertisement practices and, and bad language. But, you know, going on going on to mass retail shelves, we were hyper conservative and we preached science and compliance. That's what we specialize in. And as we saw these companies come in with big budgets and disappear, we knew we were on the right track. We knew that if we just stayed steady, we would be one of the last ones standing after this after the big hype phase. So now talk to me about the barrier to entry that these stores needed from you to be able to go ahead and accept the product. I mean, obviously when I look at on the website itself, so index.com, E-N-D-E-X-X.com, if you look at the products, CBD Unlimited, Bless Well Skin Your Routine, and then uh, Bless Well, actually a couple other products that were in CVS and Target, you know, very slick, uh, the, the packaging, the branding, very well put together, blends in really great alongside all of the products. So, you know, if people are going to look at the shelves, uh, was there anything in terms of what needed to go past that barrier of entry and where it would be placed on the store shelves? Yeah, we, I mean, we had, we had to talk to buyers a lot. A lot of them had to be convinced. Some of them false started, they put product on the shelf and it blew up in their face and it didn't work out. So when we went, you know, the, the, the two number, the number one and number two priorities for getting place our shelf is packaging. You know, is it compliant? Does it look good? Does it stand out? And price points. So depending on your store shelf that you're in, a $60 product that we initially introduced into Walgreens was selling, but the volume was pitiful. We were still beating everybody else. And I knew, oh, that's a bad sign. So we we retooled our, our process with Walgreens and we came up with a better price point that we knew the average buyer at Walgreens would say, okay, I'll take that. But it also had to be formulated at a level that had therapeutic value. So we had to make some hard decisions on how premium do we want the product and how do, well do we want it to perform? And we were able to achieve both. We were able to get the price point to where we wanted and a product that performed. And we did in the Walgreens set, in the pharmacy pain aisle set, it is the most simple package on the shelf. It's green and white. Nothing else. It's not fancy leaves and glittery colors. We tried glittery colors. We tried the, you know, the, a lot of the packaging just doesn't work on shelf. People want to see function and value. That's it. That was what the consumer ultimately ended up being. The other thing too is that you wanted to determine does that product need to be on the pharmacy area in the back or wherever it is, or the health and beauty aisle where it could also be also noticed? I mean, was that something that you took into consideration? Was that something that was offered to you? It was. You know, when you looked at beauty, when you look at the beauty side of the equation, something that would fit more cosmetic, skincare, grooming markets, 
you had to have you had to have some catch. So you had to have a pretty package. Everybody invests a lot of money in the packaging on that side of the equation. And not a little bit. They invest millions and millions of dollars in branding for whatever the color set is or the or the the image set is. We didn't we we didn't have that kind of budget. So we had to be very rifle prospecting, say, here's what we have, here's our theme. How do we get people interested in it? How do you get the buyer interested? So we tried celebrity endorsement, we tried uh, high profile, short term, um, lots of media coverage to drive towards either the celebrity or to the the category. And there was initial stickiness, but it wasn't sustainable. We couldn't keep that pattern going for the long term. If you're a big, if you're a big cosmetic manufacturer, you have to and you commit to it. You know, it's not a million dollar a year project. It's twenty million dollars a year. It's it's a big advertising budget you have to do for that type of sustainability. So getting it on shelf, we just we really worked with us and we work in pilot programs. So rather than a CVS or a Target going all in and taking too much risk, where we didn't, we would isolate to a certain amount of stores. So we would go into a thousand stores in one company, four hundred stores in another. It would be for them to introduce a new category. So we were part of a category launch. We were part of a uh, a skincare launch, a men's uh, set launch. So we narrowed it down into more of, if we can get more men in here, could that store increase their sales in that in that division 1%, a half a percent? That was, we collaborated with the buyer and with the, with the retailer. So we tried, you know, we, we worked in all these different directions and our products sold through. Others did not, you know, they sat there stagnant. So it, it's the pilot program phase has been very educational. And we know once regulata- regulations lift up a little bit, we're going to be able to move into these sets and be very, very successful. And it's got to be, I mean, really ty- tiring and, and just a lot of work just to go and get everything to know where you're going to get the products put, building it those, uh, the, the pro- also, I would imagine the distribution, the amount of distribution needed because you're having to go and supply all these stores about how much product you have. I'm here with the CEO of the Index Corporation and also the founder of CBD Unlimited, Todd Davis. Stay tuned, we have more Blunt Business coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Welcome back to Blunt Business. 
I'm here with the CEO of the Index Corporation and also the founder of CBD Unlimited, Todd Davis. Talking about building that distribution line, that assembly there, and be able to go ahead and be able to process all this inventory that's being ordered by these stores to put them on the shelves, that's a, a large undertaking. It doesn't matter if you're spending a million or 20 million, it's the same amount of work. So, <laughs> you know, it's you you have a team and you have to really understand the logistics. You under, have to understand the, the production cycles. So it takes about six months of planning to execute on your first order into a store. So you do the planning, you get your slotting, they do a product reset or product launch a couple times a year, and you have to hit that window right on time, just on time, and in full. So, you know, if you're working with a mass retailer and they're going to do a product launch or category launch in August, September, that may be off their normal schedule. You'll get more attention from them because they're trying to make something happen in their off-season cycles. And so we would plan for at least six months in advance. A lot of these programs took a year to to truly launch and, and to get them in successful. So we would go out and you had to have your your display patterns. And if you're using third parties to perform these services, now that they have to coordinate with delivery, with warehousing, with logistics, all the different components have to tie together to successfully get it on shelf so it's not just your box sitting there. You know, it was... Huh? And, and and that's where professionals come in. You know, people who've been doing this 10, 15, 20 years, we, we really harness their skill sets to execute on that. You're celebrating next year, your 10th year as CBD Limited. And in the market of CBD now, I mean, look, we still have the issue with the farm bill, can't get even get passed or signed. They're still in Congress trying to go ahead and shuffle that along. FDA still can't give any clear, you know, markings or guidance as to how the farm bill is supposed to be implemented every time it goes through, all this going on. So CBD products can still be rampant and thousands upon thousands of products can be put on the store uh, around anywhere. Now, they might not get it to the store shelves you have, but they're still out there. And various potency, integrity, how good is the product, how good is the quality is the CBD inside of it. All this is still being disputed and we still don't have any real regulation or any tightening of getting the market to where it can be, where it can be responsible, accountable, and nobody's regulating it. But 10 years later, when you look at this, you've been doing it right this whole time, and you've had all this time, and look at the progress you've made. All these companies want to be what you're doing right now. They want to be where you are with these products and these stores. 10 years removed. Todd, what do you think about now? Where could this CBD industry be so that it's done right, and then products like yours will even get more clarity and more integrity because the bad actors are taken out. Yeah, I, I think the, there's a there's a lot in that statement. You know, ten years compressed into thirty seconds of what's going on. Right. <clears throat> we started off. You know, when I when I first came into this industry, I looked at it from a biotech standpoint. You know, you had to treat it with you know it was the unknown. So if you had a molecule from a plant that was the new discovery, you had to treat it in a way that you people could understand what the molecule did instead of where it came from, what the sourcing was. You had to kind of change the direction to get a better educational process in there. And I used to do, I, I used to do a lot more keynote speaking at some of these and talk about compliance. You know, you have to invest there first. If you don't have your compliance metrics in place, you're going to get shut down somewhere along the line. Yeah. It may, may may not be today, but something you're doing today is going to affect you a year from now, three years from now. 
So, and then you had to have your science correct. You couldn't be guessing at the game. You had to have a method. You had to have a foundation. So biotech is very similar to that. You can't just say, take a whole bunch of vitamin C, it's going to make you better. Otherwise, you have a, you know people coming to your hotel room in Vegas giving you IVs with v- vitamin C in it. That's how unregulated natural molecules are. What if we were doing that with CBD? Because of its source, cannabis, people would be getting arrested. And so there's a difference. You know, They've been able to focus their energy of stopping something into one piece, and that is cannabis. And the word CBD. CBD was a made-up word. You know, it wasn't even really an acronym 10 years ago. People were still calling it cannabidiol. They were calling it something other than just CBD. CBD became a buzzword that they could then fight against. And that became the battle. And so when, you know, when we looked at it 10 years ago, I was going, you know what? We had done a lot of work in dispensaries. We were helping dispensaries create compliance and tracking systems and really understanding their business problems as they went into a regulated market, even at state level. I knew CBD was something significant because it was the one thing that the consumer was asking for inside the dispensary. But the dispensary owners or the bud tenders or whoever, they didn't really know what they were talking about. And they were really giving bad advice. And, you know, in my opinion, it was slightly dangerous advice when it came to using cannabis as the cure-all for so many different things. Right. So we wanted to change the industry. We wanted to make sure that, listen, if consumers are going to participate, let's give them a platform to participate in. Let's give them tools to understand and still be compliant with federal regulations. Now, you go to the FDA, which was what you brought up. They can't get it right. This is the first year that I've been really confident that something is changing. For one, they did do whatever the scientific re- report was that the FDA generated, that it's a, it's a generally safe product. Right. And they've now recommended to human health services to recommend to the DEA to take it off the narcotics list. None of the regulations can take place until it's no longer a narcotic, period. doesn't matter. You talk about banking. It doesn't talk about state regulations. If it's on the narcotics list, you can't do anything. You can't grow the industry. So removing it from that one piece is what opens up the entire market. That will be the difference. Once that that classification is changed, the second stage is, is now you can do banking. And it's not where you deposit your money from the sale of a good. It's not Bank of America. It's not Chase Bank where you want to open up an account and have checking. It's Goldman Sachs. It's Morgan Stanley. It's family offices being able to openly participate and fund the capital markets necessary to establish a legitimate industry. There's no infrastructure. Right. So capital has to come. And this is the next stage. You know, Senate Banking and Finance Committee voted yes. They didn't just write it down and let it pass through and then try to stick it to the farm bill or stick it to the defense bill or hide it somewhere. They actually did a roll call vote. And we learned this at the Benzinga conference in uh, in September, they actually did a roll call vote, but they did that on the heels of the recommendation to uh, declassify or deschedule. That now, stepped, go ahead. Finish. A, I'm sorry. It's a big. It's a big thing to note, and I think 
that's the critical stage we're at right now. This is a standalone bill. Chuck Schumer and Mitch McConnell cannot veto this anymore. It has to go to the Senate, voted up or down. It has to go to Congress, voted up or down. They can try to stick pork on it, but it's a real bill now. It's really going through the, the normal process of becoming a bill. So it doesn't have to be attached to the farm bill. It doesn't have to be attached to the energy bill. It doesn't have to be hidden in something else that they've been trying to sneaky peed it in with. So it's a legitimate bill and it's going through the right process now. If this happens, what we've built and been a part of building for the last 10 years is going to finally be executable and become a legitimate industry. I want to go ahead and move along into what you've been doing right now with the acquisition of a non-negative A company called Hyla, H-Y-L-A. And what you're doing right now, as we go back to what has come on, you're talking about the fact that how this is very important for Index, distributing you know, for CBD and non-CBD products and achieving substantial success in America through Walgreens, Target CVS, and also Amazon international distribution in Europe, the Middle East, and potential feature distribution in Latin America and Asia, all holding great promise. And the product itself, Hyla, is marketed as proprietary non-nicotine guarana and L-dopa vape products, wide variety of flavors. And it's the first non-nicotine vape product to be produced in the U.S. in this manner, 4,500 puffs per device. Talk about Hyla and the move to this product and you're kind of going off the end of where it's not the skincare line or where we'll be the health of BDL, different product, uh, product line, different shelf. It's exciting. It was a major pivot for us, but it was not built on, ooh, this looks like a new thing to do. It was based on original science that we did with CBD. The original therapeutic delivery system that we used in the testing with the doctors and patients was a vape. And the results with vape were extraordinary compared to all other delivery systems. The problem was at the time, and this is 10 years ago, the problem with at the time is the vape cartridges, the vape heating elements, everything was, there was toxic elements throughout the entire vaping mechanism. There was tin oxide being released. There was a metallic flavor. There was burning heating elements. There was everything you could possibly do wrong was inside of a vape device. <clears throat> then there was the ingredient profiles. The vape industry was kind of built on the biggest clouds. It wasn't built, and and, and also another way to deliver uh, nicotine. So there was a lot of things that we had to tinker around with to get correct. So we were putting a generally safe product into the hands of a consumer. But you couldn't get underwriting, you couldn't get credit card processing, you couldn't do a lot of things with vape, so we had to pause. But it was our one of our number one selling products at that stage. You skip forward nine years, eight or nine years, and you get to what else could be delivered through vape? Why is Juul being pulled off shelves? Why the controversy? Is there other ingredients other than vitamin E acetate that could really hurt people? Is it PGE? Is it PG? Is it vegetable glycerin? What are all the different components? So we did another scan at it, and the company Hyla that we we acquired, they had already successfully built a nicotine vape product company. So they weren't new guys calling cold calling their clients. They had distribution set up around the world, taking a non nicotine product, 
with an actual ingredient in it, not just non-nicotine with a flavor so people can vape and be part of a, you know, the culture crowd. It was, can we put something in there that has benefit? And they had done some basic research. And if you look at guarana, which is a, a less, um, it's a milder form of caffeine. And it's from a different source than the coffee bean. And it, it works really well for focus and energy and things along that line. So vaping is a very good delivery system for the guarana. And that, that is appealing to people. The L-DOPA is a bean extract. And the L-DOPA, uh, in its medical form, is the nor- is in a synthetic multi- uh, medical form, is the number one prescribed medication in the world for Parkinson's patients. Wow. And the, the reason that is, is because it has the ability to cross the blood-brain barrier. So does CBD. These are both unique molecules, unique molecular weights, unique molecular structure that allows for delivery system into the brain. Most pharmaceuticals, cannot do this. They cannot accomplish it. Only a natural product can be viewed by the brain as acceptable, receivable, and usable. So there, if you do the research on the L-DOPA, and we can't really talk about the medical benefits on it, it has some really nice attributes that are similar to, um, they, they're not hormones, but they help the body create its own. So it's a what they call precursor for the production of dopamine. Dopamine, serotonin are the two things that people are battling with for depression and addiction and all these other things uh, that that affect us on a daily basis. This, as as an elicitor or a precursor of dopamine, opens up the category for who knows. You know, the science hasn't really been overstudied. There's good science on it uh, for the Parkinson side and some other applications, but it's been shown to help with male health. It shows brain health. It shows memory health. It does a lot of things for the body that we believe are going to be game changer for uh, for the consumer. And one of the interesting things that we've learned, you know, just in the past year of putting this in the market is it's actually helping people come off of nicotine. So nicotine, and the way I explain it, nicotine is it replaces dopamine. It basically tells the body you don't need it. I, I got it from here. That's what nicotine does. So the brain and the body forget how to produce dopamine. It turns the switch off. And when you pull that nicotine out, now the body doesn't know how to make it to compensate. There's your addiction. Right. And so this can be a good transition product for those who are trying to get off of <clears throat> the addiction of nicotine, but also have some other benefits that they didn't that didn't exist in the market until we created this. I'm here with the CEO of the Index Corporation and also the founder of CBD Unlimited, Todd Davis. Stay tuned. We have more Blunt Business coming up after a short break. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with the CEO of the Index Corporation and also the founder of CBD Unlimited, Todd Davis. And see, it would be better to have something that's much more organic and natural than to see the jewels of the HQDs and all these other vape pens that are out there on the market. I mean, I love what you got in terms of the product and how it's set up. Uh, talking about the distribution of these vape pens now to the market, I mean, is it going through a different distributor, obviously, altogether, but still that same idea where it's that assembly line, doesn't matter if it's a million or 20 million, you got to push it out there to all these places, the large distribution as well. You still work with the same distributors, you know, the the nicotine vape market is under pressure and they're either getting pulled off a shelf, blocked, 
Uh-huh. Something is happening to them that's disrupting their business. So they need a backfill. And that was that's from a business standpoint, that's why this became a valuable proposition for us. As you re- if as you remove jewel from shelves, if that covered six inches of space, twelve inches of space, twenty-four right. inches of space, there's a gap there. What are you gonna put in there? Chewing tobacco, snuff, you know, cigarettes again. Yeah. It's not working. So we're looking to fill that space with a, a product that satisfies the current market, that helps the market, that prolongs the market, that makes the distributors uh, positioning already favorable. So they're looking for good product too to put on shelves and we're providing that product for them. <clears throat> I think over time, you know, tobacco companies, they have to pivot also. They can't just keep concentrating on nicotine as their sole product. They're going to have to go in different directions. Maybe with the legalization of cannabis internationally, that's one market for them. Maybe it's a, a non-nicotine product like ours, that's another market for them. There's room for everybody right now. And most people are still sticking on that nicotine platform. And I'm surprised that you that cigarettes are able to go and sustain as much as they have because you think about the fact that well, the prices are now for cigarettes are just over the roof now. The, the taxation is put on it. I'm surprised they're going to even still compete. And then on top of that, you have a lot of stores, whether it's convenience stores, corner stores, that are you know positioning quite a bit of their area, their their storefront, whether it's either the front counter or in a select counter, to have all the vape products in one spot, or it's just select vape stores that are being nicely decorated, nicely put together, or just being in great locations to get those products out there. And like you said, when some of these products are going to go off the shelves because of whatever happens, somebody's got to replace it. And if you're going to bring something that's on that's very natural and organic, it's not going to be so, I mean, obviously there's, you, you know, you'll be in a shelf with other products that are going to be of other base. But like I said, your product would stand out because of what's inside of it. Various flavors, various looks. I mean, right now, What's the availability of Hyla as we speak right now? You know, is it pretty available anywhere anybody is around the 50 states? No, not yet. You know, it's it's more of an international push first. There, uh, We have better distributor relationships there. Uh, the distributors that we've talked to here in the U.S., and these are the top ones, top two, they're either regional carriers or they're, they're the number one in convenience. They're the number one in truck stops and yeah. everything else. So we've talked to all of them. The challenge that they're running into right now is the flavor ban. Because they couldn't get nicotine off the shelf, the lobbyists, the parents, the the well, special interest groups that really went after what went after the nicotine market has kind of ruined it for everybody else. So the only way they're controlling everything is through flavors. You can't vape flavors. Yeah. Okay. You want it, you want it to be paper flavor? You know, adults have flavor profiles too. It's not little kids. How you market it, yes, that's an issue. But right. a, an adult likes different flavors. They have certain sets and they have a favorite. And so we've gone into them. We have struck deals with a couple of major distributors. But launching in New York, in California right now, it's 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 too dangerous. It's too uh, cost prohibitive. It's too unknown. So we have to go in through channels where we're kind of starting the, the center of the country and we're growing out. We've got positioning in Texas that is selling through, uh, Michigan area selling through. We're getting ready to open into a few other states. Florida's doing really well. 
So, so we're doing some test marketing to find out. So we have numbers to give to the distributors. Say, hey, listen, if you could only do these five states in this region, is this a good business? Is this a good benefit? So we're trying to pocketize it, find out where there's not the pushback, the same as New York and California, and and hit those markets <laughs> to to find that the right distribution channels. That's quite a bit of room to grow whenever that can be done, whatever the obstacles that can be untangled and the red tape can be undone to be able to go and do that. Because obviously, I think a lot of people would really get a chance, would love to have the chance to go and try these products here in comparison to what else is on the market. Because I think, you know, just for the fact that there's all these places that have vapes on their shelves, I don't see a lot of noise getting sold. And I think it's just a matter of if there was something out there that was a game changer in the space, which I think is what Hila can be, that would be a different story. And now, what would be the difference if, I mean, based on what you've seen on international sales, you know, what's the growth potential that you could have once you're able to go and get Hila into sales in the United States predominantly? For us, it's well over $150 million in, in a reasonable amount of time. You know, in the, in the, in the first year, uh, we did between five and six million dollars of sales, uh-huh. and these are just opening orders. These are getting placed in markets, uh, going through customs, getting through that. That's super basic, right? And we're and we're also going in at government level. So we're taking a vape product that could be construed as a black market, and we can go try to sell it everywhere. However, we're going in through the health departments or the equivalent of their FDA's in each country and saying, listen. Here's our ingredient profile. These are all safe ingredients. We're selling it in a vape uh, a vape delivery system, and we ask for approval. We get the approval. We uh, then at the same time we're establishing the distributor uh, licensing agreements. So when we do that, uh, it it reduces the barriers and it gives the distributors a lot more confidence that they're carrying the right product. That's one, and then two is. There's a huge demand. You know, CBD kind of had its up and then it, it tailed off and then it flattened out. That There's a built-in market for vape that's been growing consistently for 20 plus years. And we're coming into a market that's established but able to take market share. So as the market is transitioning away from 100% nicotine-only products, we have this option to really compound the company. So we see ourselves growing from $6 million to $18 million to $50 million on our way to $150 in a very short order, which that's when tobacco starts taking a look. Consumer product goods companies start taking a look at you and say, hey, you did really good work. You did the heavy lifting. We'll take it from here because they're not investing in today's market. They're trying to find products now that are going to be successful five to 10 years out. And that's the only way that they're going to be able to stay in business and keep any type of growth curves. So, you know, we're, we've really positioned ourselves well for both our investors, for our product lines, and for the ability to say, if you're looking at age-restricted products and you're the really good one at those products, how many products could you put on shelves? Do they all have to be Hyla? Do they all have to be CBD? Could they be a combination where you're hitting different points within the same store chain where the distributor is carrying two different lines of your product into different categories. You know, you start, right. these kind of opportunities start to to really start to compound over time. It doesn't happen immediately, but it will compound over time. Mm-hmm. 
pod. I really enjoyed this conversation. And when you make your mentions to the investors, I want to make sure to go ahead and push this out because I always see the stock aficionados out there. Uh, Index Corporation, E-N-D-E-X-X Corporation. And by the way, the website is E-N-D-E-X-X.com. That your team, uh, your, your company right now is listed on the OTC Venture Market, the OTC QB, and it's under the ticker EDXC. So make sure you take a look for that. And, you know, for that, being that market, companies have to be current in their reporting, undergo annual verification and management certification processes. So, I mean, very distinctive the fact that we have a chance for investors to go ahead and be a part of what you're doing. And obviously, you know, making some really, really at, at ambitious moves when you're moving into what you've already done with the base of working into having CBD products like CBD Unlimited and putting that all in the store shelves, bless well as well, to put those in the major store shelves, major big box retailers out there. And this effort here with such a market you can go after to capture with Hyla, H-Y-L-A, and be able to get that product out the shelves as well. Uh, so real quickly, for those who want to go ahead and get in touch with you from the investor standpoint, or if they want to go ahead and find out more about the product, say they're, you know, distributors want to go ahead and understand more and be able to go ahead and contact your team, what should they do? Well, they can always send an email, ir at index.com. Very simple. We have our social assets and any one of the social assets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can register to get our news wires, our news releases, to get promotional items. There's a lot of ways to participate in the company. You can go to cbdunlimited.com to learn about our CBD line. You can go to tryhyla, T-R-Y-Hyla, H-Y-L-A.com to learn about that. Uh, we didn't mention this, but we do have, we've been approved in eight states, but it's, we want to be approved in all states before we launch online for sales. Uh, but the consolidated financials was our biggest challenge. We had to, we, it took us about nine months to get us truly consolidated up to date. We have the uplisting in place. We have all of our financials have been in place. We've been audited for 11 years, but there's always hiccups in the, in the line. So we've got everything consolidated. We, we recognize the top line revenues of both Hyla and CBD Unlimited through the index holding. And that when you buy index stock or invest in our company, you own both companies. You're a shareholder in, in both enterprises. It's so, a shame that's a, the roadblock that you have. The product line I'm looking at with DOPA includes, infused with guarana when it comes to the product you have there. And then there's guarana base vapes as well. And a lot of flavors. It's, it, I, I hope that roadblock gets undone. Me too. And I, you know, it's it, the, the consumer is missing out on this. You know, once the roadblock is out of the way, the consumer is the one ultimately that's going to benefit. And being a leader in any one category that we go after, this is a place to start. This is a place to learn about it. This is a place to get educated and then have a good experience on your, on your first attempt at using a product. So we do the work, we do the science and we do the compliance. So you know, that's that's been our motto since day one. And we're not changing that. You know, it doesn't matter what category we we introduce going forward. If we ever if we want to unlock our cannabis assets, when we go into cannabis, it'll be the same thing. It'll be the highest quality product with the best education for the consumer. Fantastic. Really thank you so much for going talking to us. And uh also real quick for C B D Unlimited, give me the website for that as well. Is it C B dot com? cbdunlimited.com. All right. 
Make sure to all the bookmark all those websites as we do that. And again, I want to go and thank you, Todd Davis, CEO and Chairman of Index, founder of CBD Unlimited. Thank you for being on with us. Thank you for taking time out. Great information and continued success. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody. All right. And thank you, folks. We'll talk to you next time. Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.